Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Here, we are going to be preaching the Word of Almighty God, and today it's no different. Today, we're going to be going to Mark chapter 3, if you want to get ahead. And uh, let me tell you what we're going to be talking about, okay? Uh, You know, God has been absolutely so wonderful in giving us such apropos words. You know, whenever I go to God and and, uh, seek Him for what to share, I don't go with a purpose or a plan. I don't go with an agenda. Uh, We are so fortunate, uh, not only in the United States, especially here in Southeast Texas, but all over the world. Men and women of God are standing in pulpits today sharing the Word of Almighty God because God has a word. God wants to speak to us. Isn't it wonderful to go to a church where you can hear a word from God about, you know, that, 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 that helps with current concerns? You know, uh, we're not, you know, sharpening our sticks and trying to poke people, you know, or prod people in any direction. We are only encouraging people to lift up their eyes, their hope, and their hearts to Almighty God. Because God is the answer, not only, you know, in this season, but for every season. But today, after studying the Word of God and after getting ready and uh, praying over it and seeking God, uh, uh, the title of my message is like the last thing that I do. Uh, After I read through it over and over and meditate on it and sleep on it and go back over it again and do all the things that, that, uh, you know, are my due diligence. Then I put a title to it. And this is what uh, the title is for today. Protection-Based Politics in the Bible. Whoa, doesn't that sound interesting? Protection-Based Politics in the Bible. Well, that's what it turned out to be. You know, uh, uh, today we're going to discuss the frustration and even the anger and the injustice that's caused by hardness of hearts and protection-based politics in the Bible. Will it apply to today? Of course it will. You know, uh, my, uh, one of my grandsons, I have nine grandchildren, uh, but uh, at, at some point uh, in the past, I had some of my grandchildren here with me. And um, while their father was serving uh, in our military abroad, uh, they came and stayed with me and uh, my daughter and her six children. Uh, but whenever my daughter's family was staying with us, I bought one of my young grandsons a Bible, you know, a children's Bible that he could read and, you know, and he loved to read. And so, uh, you know, I would check on him and we'd talk about the stories and, you know, we would catch up on, the, on, on what was going on and uh, discuss things as it were. And, um, you know, one day I went in to talk to him about, you know, what he had read in, in the last day. And uh, he said, um, uh, you know, here, Granddaddy, uh, I finished this one. You know, can you get me another one? <laughs> whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You know, I never realized uh, that, you know, he was used to reading books and he had finished this Bible. He had finished this one. And so, you know, I need another one, you know, give me another one. And I came to the realization that I needed to uh, somehow, you know, um, uh, uh, explain to him 
why we only have one Bible and we read that one Bible over and over and over and over and over. And one of the things I shared with him is the reason that God doesn't have to write another book, the reason he doesn't have to, you know, uh, do a, an editing of this one, you know, um, you know um, is because he did it perfect the first time. He did it right the first time and it applies to every generation, every situation. And I just simply encouraged him, won't you start reading it again, son? You'll get more out of it every time you read it. You'll see something fresh and new. It will apply to your life and it will help you. Well, you know, that's the advice I would give you as well. We're still reading the same word. And the Bible contains truth for today. And today's truth is, is in Jesus' time, even Jesus was frustrated, even angry. Even Jesus saw the injustice of the political system uh, and the hardness of heart whenever people were more in, engaged in wanting to know, you know and wanting to prove who was right instead of what was right. We'll talk about that again in just a moment. In Jesus' day, there were basically two forms of government. There was the Roman government. You know, the Romans had the empire and they, uh, you know, governed, uh, you know, the, the, the known world at that time. But also in, uh, in the state of Israel, uh, in, in many states, there were many states, there were local governments. And there was also a Jewish government uh, as, as the Roman government uh, served the wishes of the emperor, of the Caesar. The Jewish government served the wishes and was made up of three main political parties. That's right. These were religious groups, but there was a religious government in place. And so these were the religious political parties under the theocracy that had been established there in Israel. Uh, first to note, one of the political parties were the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the conservative aristocrats. Okay? Um, and they were um, also anti-spiritual. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection. You know, there were a lot of things they did not believe in. Uh, believe in. But one of the things they did believe in was law and order. And uh, the Sadducees were mostly made up of, uh, of you know, the priest and rural families. And, and uh, they really desired to keep the status quo. They wanted everything, you know, uh, to stay like it was. And they felt like it was their duty to interpret and to follow the written law that Moses handed down. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, they really felt as though that, that uh, it was their, their duty to preserve this written law, and they judged everything by it. In fact, uh, you know, uh, they, uh, they literally um, you know, uh, didn't hardly write anything themselves. In fact, we don't have anything written by them. Everything we know about them pretty much comes from their enemies. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Um, and they did not agree with the other two main political parties, except in one area, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, the Sadducees, and I like what one of my friends said. He's, uh, he's gone on to be in his heavenly reward right now, but Moses Vey uh, preached at our church numbers of times, and he would say the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection, and that's why they're sad, you see. Isn't that interesting? Well, uh, next were the Pharisees. Now, the Sadducees were the conservative you know, aristocrats. Uh, the Pharisees were the liberal progressives. Uh, 
Okay, they were more, uh, by the way, made up of middle class. They were a larger group of people. And uh, the Pharisees, uh, you know, uh, were the most popular in the political uh, climate there in Israel. And uh, they were always getting on to Jesus for something. You know, they, they set him up, you know, and tried to trick him. And, you know, and, uh, you know he, was, he was way too clever. But they were upset with him because he ate with sinners and because, you know, he ate with tax collectors and, and, and because his disciples didn't follow the traditions of the fathers and the customs of, of, of the, the, the Pharisees. Uh, and uh, they had a lot of customs and a lot of traditions. Why? Because unlike the Sadducees, the Pharisees were more liberal and more progressive, uh, while the Sadducees followed the written law of Moses. The Sadducees felt as uh, excuse me, the Pharisees felt as though it was their responsibility to interpret the oral law. They believed that when God gave the law to Moses, He gave it to him in two forms, written and oral. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you know, the Ten Commandments, but also the oral law. And they felt as though that God had given them um, the, the duty to not only interpret, you know, between the lines and to read between the lines and, and through the loopholes, but if the Word of God, if the Torah did not speak to anything specifically, then they felt like it was their duty to interpret, um, to, to put an oral argument to it and to lay down an oral law. And so uh, they, they really gave Jesus a lot of trouble. And uh, one of the reasons why is because, you know, um, they followed traditions and customs, which Jesus said made vain the literal Word of God. Uh, these, the, the Pharisees kind of just made it up as they went along. Okay? Uh, and they were, you know, for the people. Uh, and then the third major group, you have the Sadducees, the Pharisees. I hope I'm not boring you. Uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, and then there were the Herodians. The Herodians were basically uh, in bed with the Romans. You know, uh, they were uh, they were a group that favored the Greek customs and spoke Greek, and they really preferred Roman law. They were more uh, uh, secular, perhaps, if you would, secularly religious, and but they were a part of the Jewish government and had a representation, and they really uh, were a little more worldly. They really uh, preferred the Romans uh, in many ways, the Greeks in many ways, over uh, the Jews. Well, there were a lot of other smaller groups. There were the Essenes, and you know, you may read them, the Zealots, you know, and there were, uh, you know, the scribes, which were Pharisees, and the Sanhedrin, and you know, there were, there were a lot of others, the Galileans. Uh, uh, but these three main political groups, Sadducees, Pharisees, and Herodians, um, according to Jesus, they were pretty much all filled with hypocrites. And uh, they cooperated together for two reasons. These groups were very diverse, but they cooperated so that they could have a Jewish government and be recognized by the Romans, and uh, so that they could have a court system, so that they could, you know, punish people and tax people, and so that they, you know, they needed to have a government, and for that they needed to legitimize it. And so they did with these political parties and these different perspectives, and they cooperated, as I said, for two main reasons. One was uh, so that they could keep their jobs, keep their power, you know, that's, that's you know, uh, not uncommon. And the second reason was they cooperated. Uh, they agreed that they needed to find a way to murder Jesus. Why did they want to murder Jesus? 
He was doing a lot of good. Well, you know, in politics, if you can't get someone to support you, if you can't get someone to vote for you, if you can't get someone to join your political party, you need to destroy them. And that's what made them, you know, they just did not quite know what to do with Jesus. The people liked him and he was doing good and he was gaining popularity, but he would not support any of their political uh, uh, processes. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, they thought we need to destroy him. And that's exactly what they conspired to do. Uh, you may remember at the end of uh, um, the Gospels, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, the Sadducee, uh, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, and, and, and the Herodians, they, you know, they all conspired to put Jesus to death. Well, let's back up a little bit. Back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the Galilee in Mark chapter 3. Okay, and let's, uh, let's read in Mark chapter 3 together, okay? You have your Bible? Okay, let's read. Uh, verse 1, And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. Who's watching him? Well, you know, the priests are watching him, the Pharisees are watching him, and the Herodians are watching him. Okay, so all these religious, political figures and their representatives, they were watching Jesus. Why were they watching Him? Well, uh, so they watched Him closely, whether He would heal this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse Him. And Jesus said to the man who had a withered hand, Step forward. And Jesus said to them, Jesus looked out at those that were watching Him closely. And He said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now, uh, get the picture here with me, okay? Many of you have been with me to Capernaum. And we've seen uh, that synagogue, that white synagogue, a white stone synagogue that sits there on that um, uh, foundation of the synagogue that was in Jesus' day. There, Jesus enters in. And no doubt this man who has a withered hand had heard that Jesus was in the city, as was the case when we read the whole uh, uh, context. And most likely this man came to be healed. You know, he's got a withered hand. He's, uh, you know, we don't know for sure, but it could have uh, severely impacted his ability to work and provide a living for his family. So this man, perhaps in anticipation, is waiting for Jesus to come in. Jesus comes in, sees this man, immediately sees this man with a need. And uh, he's being watched closely. Jesus is just being watched. So Jesus addresses the man. Hey, hey, come here. Step forward. Come here. So the man steps forward. And Jesus, immediately knowing what was going on here, they're watching him to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath. They're watching him to see if they might have something to accuse him of. And so Jesus turns to these political groups and He says to them, Is it right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? Well, you know, they had nothing to say. You know, they're not going to weigh in on it because they know they can't win. Jesus is just a little too clever. You know, uh, they were afraid of losing their phony, you know, high ground of, you know, we're, we're standing on truth. You know, they were standing on tradition. They were standing on reason and logic. And Jesus is appealing to their reason and to their logic. Why? Because that's all they have. 
You know, they, they don't have the spirit and they're not, you know, they, they, they don't have compassion. You know, all they had was just their reason, their logic. So Jesus is reaching, you know, uh, trying, uh, you know, to reach their highest intellect at that moment, trying to reach their compassion. Uh, and he says to them, you know, what is best to do? They couldn't answer. You know, uh, Jesus you know, found out that he was unable to impress them, as is often the case when something is hard. And what was hard? Well, their hearts were. They were hard-hearted. In fact, in verse 5, uh, look at what Jesus said and Jesus did. And when Jesus had looked around at them with anger. Whoa, hold on a second. Uh, yes, Jesus got mad at them. Jesus got angry at these politicians of the day, these leaders of the Jewish government in the nation of Israel in that day. Jesus was mad at them. He got angry. You might say, well, hold on a second. Uh, you know, you mean Jesus got angry? Yes. Not, you know, not the only time in the Word of God that we find Jesus to be angry. And it won't be the last time that we see Him angry. Jesus got mad at them. Uh, he looked around at them with anger and being grieved at the hardness of their heart. What was he grieved with? He was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. The callousness. That's what it means to be hardened, to be calloused. You know, uh, uh, grieved at their calloused hearts. Wow. He just couldn't impress them. He was unable to reach them. And so he said to the man... Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. And then in verse 6, Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against Jesus how they might destroy him. Wow. You know, Jesus was filled with indignation. Why? Because these people, these leaders who were supposed to be caring about the people and caring for the people, you know, uh, this man with a withered hand was not even on their radar. The needs of the people, uh, you know, was, was nowhere in sight. They had no compassion at all on this man who needed this man. You know, they were supposed to be taking care of the people. They were supposed to be taking care of the nation. And the nation is people. It's not politics. It's not a political party. Ah, sounds like this could have been written today, doesn't it? It is written for today. Jesus was grieved with their callous hearts towards people with real needs. All the Pharisees and the Herodians did that day, and all they continued to do was to protect their hierarchy protect their traditional platform and their governing institution. What were they really afraid of? They were afraid that Jesus might actually join one of the other political parties. You know, what did Jesus want from these leaders? It's the same thing He wants from leaders today. It's the same thing He wants from the leader of a family. The same thing He wants from the leader of a friendship group. The same thing that He wants from the leaders of a community, the leaders of a church, the leaders of a nation. It's the same thing Jesus wants from us today than He wanted 
from them in that day. Just stop arguing over who is right and start caring about what is right. You know, this idea of protection-based politics, identity politics, you know, it's, it's demonic. Fleshly, carnal. But their hearts were calloused. They could not be touched with the feelings of other people's needs more than what they felt they needed and they wanted. When something is as hard as their hearts had grown, it is almost impossible to make an impression on it. Even Jesus, the Son of God, even their own Messiah, even the Savior of the world could not get through to them. Their hearts were hardened. And for that, Jesus was mad at them. He was mad at them, angry with them, frustrated with them, just like many of us are at many of our politicians and political parties today. We're upset. We're frustrated. We're aggravated. We're angry with them. We're grieved that many times they seem to be so calloused they seem to be trying to find some self-protective high ground on which they can stand. They seem to be either guarding a written law platform or, or an oral platform somehow, feeling as though that they are protectorates uh, in, and, and they're more committed to, you know, uh, many times to their own political platforms than they are to people. People! Listen to me, politicians. You know, I know many of you personally, and I know many of you are wonderful. And I, and I, I you know, I support so many of you. Uh, uh, but there are yet leaders in this nation. There are yet people in office today and people leading organizations and people leading friendship groups and families that they care more about their own self protected platforms, more about their own ideologies, more about their own opinions, more about them being right than they care about what is right. More about themselves than they do about the people that they should be caring for. That's a bad day. And we're in a bad day today, just like was in Jesus' day. You know, what was the response to these people that Jesus was upset with? What was the response, you know, whenever, you know, Jesus healed this man? <laughs> they finally found something that they thought was dirt on him. You know, they finally thought, oh, here's a scandal. Here's something we can get him for. You know, how many people are, are, are looking around trying to find something scandalous on their political opponents, on who they think, you know, is their political opponent or political rival. Where's the care for the people who are hurting and in need? Where's the real care? Well, these political parties, what did they do? You know, here's what they said. Let's conspire together to murder Jesus. Let me tell you, okay, uh, this may be a shock to you or to some of you, but let me tell you one thing I know for sure. 
Jesus is not going to the cross again for you. He was murdered once. He was killed once. Once was enough. The next time that anyone encounters an angry Jesus, it's not going to work out so well for them. I hope the next time that you see Jesus, you'll have a smile on his face and he will be saying, well done, good and faithful servant, instead of a frown on his face, saying, you didn't do what I left you to do. Even if you are a famous servant, you have not been a faithful servant. Well, what can we do about that? Well, these political figures of Jesus' day wanted the same thing that many political figures do today. They wanted this protection. They didn't want to lose control. Jesus just simply asked them, you know, is it, is it better to do good or to do evil? To save or to kill? And they just kept silent. Let me encourage you, you know, uh, uh, answer up. Look around. Help save lives. All lives. That's right. Help save all lives. Even the unborn children still in the womb of their mothers. You know, there are political platforms that tell us that we have to choose between a mother's right and a child's life. That's not the truth. Why can't we love them both? Jesus does. And I do. God bless and God help those who are making such difficult and horrible decisions. May God forgive them and bless them. Listen, and and, and you know, uh, no condemnation. But we can love them both. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 7 says this. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Listen, don't, don't let your heart get hard over the Word today. Okay? Don't, if you will hear His voice. What is He saying? He's saying care about people. What is He saying today? He's saying care more about what's right than who's right. Care more about the Word of Almighty God and the needs of the people than you do about supporting your political party. That's what He's saying. The Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Isaiah the prophet, he prophesied. And Paul remembered this prophecy in Acts the 28th chapter, verse 27. Listen to what he said. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them what is, what is God asking for? Open your ears, open your eyes, open your heart. And change. And turn. And turn. There's hope even for the hard-hearted. I want to leave you with three action items. Number one, check your eyes. You know, that's what he said. If they would see with their eyes, check your eyes. What is it that you're seeing? You know, uh, uh, what do you see? 
is this the best that we can do in America, in your nation, in our community, with our schools? Is this the best that we can do? What do you see? Do you see it like God sees it? Or do you see it like you know, one faction that you may be committed to is telling you how it is? Champion what is right instead of who is right. And cast your vote for Jesus every time you get a chance. Serve in His kingdom with passion. Serve in His kingdom with purpose. Number one, check your eyes. Number two, check your ears. You know, we need to align ourselves with Christ. And in order to do that, we align ourselves with His Word. What are you hearing? Are you hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that your platform? You know, uh, is that your passion? Is that your purpose? That was His purpose. People. People was His purpose. You know. His passion. Salvation. You know, that's what Jesus is after. Meeting the needs of people. You know, um, feeding the hungry. Uh, you know, giving water to the thirsty. That's what He's all about. Visiting those who are sick and in prison and, 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 and giving the gospel to the poor. That's what Jesus is about. Number one, check your eyes. Number two, check your ears. And number three, check your heart. Do you really understand it's about people? It's not about politics. It's not about platforms. It's not about even the president. It's about the people. Are you more concerned about politics or more concerned about people? Jesus wants us to care less about who is right and to care more about what is right. What's right? God's Word, God's will, and God's way. You know, I want to encourage you right now to open up your heart to Jesus. If you've never made Him the Lord and Savior of your life, then do that right now. Align yourself with Him simply by recognizing that you need a Savior. Repenting of your sins. That's right. Jesus preaches repentance. That means to change. Check yourself. Challenge yourself and change. Repent. And then number three, receive Jesus into your heart. Recognize, repent, and receive. And you receive Him through prayer by simply asking Him sincerely to come into your heart and into your life to be your Lord and be your Savior, and He will forgive you of your sins and save your soul. Not only do we need to align ourselves with Jesus through salvation, but we also need from time to time to realign ourselves through repentance and recommitment to Christ. Do that today if you need that. Okay? And then let me know by visiting our website at cotr.com. You'll find a place to connect there. I have something special that I want to send to you. Uh, and may God's blessing be upon you. May His grace go with you. May He keep you protected, healed, and increase you in the name of Jesus while you care more about His plan, His platform, than we do about man's plans and man's platform. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com 
and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.